0: Monitor, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've taught me done. I am welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 58, and... I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack planes on fire, off the shoulder, the 17th fucking hole. I didn't know you could fly a plane. Why, yes!
1: Plan, go. No. So, yeah. Oh, God, you've been waiting all day to do that. All day.
0: I, I, I came up with that joke uh, while I was in the turlet oh, good. <laughs> earlier good. this morning.
1: Deep thoughts.
0: Yeah, so... <laughs> you know, we we try to do if there's strange geek news of the week, we try to fit that into the show every week and Harrison Ford, Han Solo, the pilot who made the Kessel run in less than twelve parsecs, crash landed his World War II plane on the uh, apparently he's okay. Yeah. Although I saw some pictures online, he, he bashed his face up pretty good against the uh against the windshield. Oh, but yeah, according to tweets from his son, he's okay. But yeah, just the weird incongruity of Han Solo crashing a single engine plane. And apparently
1: this isn't the first time he's crashed a an air vehicle. Well, uh, this is like the third or something. There's another plane that he crashed and a helicopter. I mean, not all at the same time, but... Well, I mean, that would be
0: a Han Solo-ish <laughs> feet of fucking, feet of pilotry clashing, crashing three at a time. Yeah. But, so yeah, just a... A strange thing to see, and, and right on the heels of Star Wars Episode Seven rapping. Yeah. Now, and after we did the entire show, you know, half the show last week, based on his signing up for Blade Runner again, part of me wonders if as he gets older, and all these things he swore he would just never do, <laughs> I will never play Han Solo again, I won't even talk about Blade Runner, let alone be in another one, if he just has this moment of clarity of, what have I agreed to do?
1: Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you put down the bottle and you take a step back and <laughs> you you wonder what you did with your life. Yeah,
0: that, that's how I handle it. I just sit in a dark room, bottle of <laughs> bourbon in one hand, loaded revolver in the other, and just weigh which one goes up to my lips.
1: <laughs> that's good. Now, now I know what happens when I leave you alone. <laughs>
0: yeah, don't do that. That's a terrible choice. But...
1: So I, I'm glad he's okay.
0: Yeah, that's going to be... A weird one because he's like seventy-one years old, and it, yeah. it was it was a weird feeling last week when Leonard Nimoy died. Yeah, because you know, I grew up on Star Trek. We've said a million times on this show. If you were a Star Wars guy, yeah, and yeah, I was five years old when mm. when Star Wars came out in nineteen seventy-seven. If you wanted any kind of space opera, there were no DVDs. There was no VCR. You took what you could get from other. From other formats, so yeah, you watch Star Trek every day at four o'clock, so it was a big part of my growing up, but I was always more of a Star Wars guy than a Star Trek guy. Right. So it was kind of a a wallop to realize that Mr. Spock was gone. When Han Solo goes and Indiana Jones goes, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. Yeah. I'm Um, just not equipped for...
1: I'm not entirely sure he knows what he's going to do about that. I mean, he'll be dead, but... Based well, on his his
0: recent behavior, he's going to leave a pile of money. Star Wars, sure. Blade Runner Two, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe grandkids are at a point where they're needing to go to college or something. Or
0: yeah, very possible. So, yeah, you know, the the Allen McBeal reunion ain't coming anytime soon. Oh so. no,
1: but she's going to be on a uh, Supergirl.
0: Oh, that's right. I, I heard something about that.
1: Yeah, uh, she is going to be Cat. I think Cat Grant.
0: Okay. Yeah, actually, I can see that. Cat Grant was always a skinny, kind of bitchy. At least post crisis. <laughs> and I know nothing about Callista Flockhart, but you know, just looking back on Allie McBeal, yeah, and the physical type. Okay, that makes sense to me.
1: A smile that looked like she was going to go for your jugular. Yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really, is that what it looks like? I've been seeing that smile on women's faces since I was fifteen years old.
1: Um. Yeah, but on her, I guess it's cute. Uh, I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: I, I can't help you. I never
0: watched the show, or she was in something else, Brothers and Sisters, or sure. some, uh, whatever, I, yeah, another one, so I'm not that familiar, <laughs> but, so yeah, I'm glad Harrison Ford's okay, it just seemed weird and incongruous, you know, literally weeks after we saw the Millennium Falcon in the Force Awakens trailer.
1: Is he making poor choices because she's out of the house more often now on auditions, which is how she probably landed that, I'm I don't think so. He just called her up and said, "Hey, you want to be Cat Grant?" I
0: mean, anything's possible. We, we've established what happens when you leave the house: bourbon, <laughs> revolver, <laughs> and I weigh my choices in life. And...
1: Harrison, no, no, no. Put the put the car keys down. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> oh boy.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad he's okay. Just was such a weird, incongruous thing to see.
1: Yeah. Did, was there any any detail on on why he needed to put the plane down like that? Like. Uh, something go wrong he something...
0: hates golfers <laughs> he hates them <laughs> he had gone out like a hero taking out some go- no i i from what i've i've read and I, in
1: the engine gremlin on the wing something uh,
0: no apparently it's it's a plane that has a weird center of balance and uh, i guess according to the faa recording logs it, it was just a complete engine failure oh that's too bad so Ugh. yeah it doesn't seem like any pilot error or anything just you know bad luck in an old plane i mean you get in a plane made. In the, you get in any machine that was made in the 1940s i mean yeah. i never liked getting in my grandfather's cadillac and that just sort of went down route 95 I don't at know, 42 my, miles an hour
1: my grandfather had like a 1939 chevy truck it was this big red truck that had it was you know manual shift because that's all they had it was probably powered by hamsters i <laughs> But you know, you'd sit in that, and that's like the one old vehicle. I don't think I'd, I'd mind being in because it was such a tank. There's no way that you would get hurt. It was just just this big steel behemoth. Yeah. so did uh, he, he used it to plow roads?
0: So he he's drunk. He can't see over the steering wheel. Doesn't matter. You'll be fine. No,
1: nah, he could see over the steering wheel. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I okay. He was drunk. Shit, I was stabbing in the dark. <laughs> but all right.
1: What? Something. To, well, yeah. I I don't think the heater worked. He needed something to keep himself warm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is that his affirmative legal defense?
1: <laughs> Probably.
0: All right. That Probably w- that works. So yeah, it was just a, it was a weird thing to to start the week off with.
1: Yeah. But yeah, yeah
0: I'm I'm glad he's all right because yeah, I don't know how I'm gonna deal with that. Although I don't recall having the, any deep existential crisis when obi-wan kenobi died
1: yeah when alec guinness passed it was sad but yeah I, I i didn't go into a deep mourning period
0: yeah but also that was a while ago and at the time it was like oh well he was old he lived a full life and he so, was
1: old when he did that movie <laughs>
0: well yeah but uh supposedly mark hamill is the same age right now as alec guinness was when he shot the first star wars that's creepy and harrison ford's a little bit older than that so
1: wow that's that's creepy I, th- I would say that Hamill has aged better. <laughs>
0: oh, I don't
1: know about that. I mean, we have we have devices that can terraform your face now, so <laughs> yeah.
0: I suppose you know. And, and after the Corvette summer accident, he really could have used it in the early '80s. But yeah, what can I say? That the time just—believe <laughs> me, it, I I ain't the specimen I was in 1989. Time gets to you, no matter
1: what. Isn't this the part where you play the clip about it's not the the years, it's the mileage or (laughs) something like that? All right.
0: (laughs) It's not the years. It's the mileage. I'm look. I'm
1: pitching you a slow, soft. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and
0: I I feel a little bit about oh god. Uh, everything's under control. (laughs) Situation normal. I feel a little bit bad about that. It's (laughs) look. It's been a hell of a week. I mean, has We have bitched week after week after week for all of February and going into March about the terrible weather here in Boston where the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office (laughs) exists. And we're finally, knock wood, on the backside of it. Yeah. We didn't have more than but an inch of snow this week. It's been above freezing for the last few days. I had the
1: windows open today.
0: Yeah, stuff is starting to melt. (laughs) So that means we're dealing with the aftermath of it. it. It was a week It was a busy week just because of real life here at the home office. We had insurance adjusters in to look at the the water damage. And, you know, yeah, yesterday was a a full day at a furniture store because there's some stuff that we've needed to replace, not just because of this, but for a while. So, yeah, but so, yeah, it's we're just half goddamn frazzled because of that. But, you know, just the hope involved that there hasn't been any snow and it's all off the roofs now. Then we have internet again, so we can see things like Harrison Ford crashing yeah. his plane.
1: Just as an aside, is it just that furniture store that is a weird labyrinth that's designed to trap you and keep you in there for far longer than is even remotely like reasonable in the hopes that you'll just get fatigued and buy everything? Well, I honestly thought we were going to hit like a minotaur at some point. <laughs>
0: well, uh, you're certainly asking the right person, because I'm... <laughs> I'm well known for uh my my taste in furniture and my yen to constantly go shopping for it. That's why when you and I met, uh, I had an apartment full of uh furniture that came from a variety of furniture stores. I don't know which because my mom gave me all of it. But uh, I don't know. It's it was a much longer day. Uh, th- My
1: couch was up on, like, phone books and blocks when you and I met, so it's not right. like I was... <laughs>
0: so, uh, yes, it seems like a well-designed way to just trap you completely for hours. I mean, by the time I found the stuff that I was looking for, I did feel like there should have been a bar I could whack to get a food pellet. <laughs> yeah. But...
1: I, I Honestly, at some point I thought that, like, somebody was just going to pour amber on us and they would find us years later. <laughs>
0: That yeah, just looking goggle-eyed and exhausted. <laughs> I just want a fucking mattress. I don't care which one. I sleep on a couch most
1: of the time. Uh, all right, so anyway, that was my aside. I just... <laughs> and,
0: and and that's fine, because God knows people tune in the comic book podcasts to hear about furniture. <laughs> Maybe next, uh, if we were talking about Star Wars sh- sheets, sure. Can we order some Star Wars sheets?
1: Sure. I'll, I'll get right on that.
0: Because... Uh,
1: we mid- have to make sure that uh, whatever whatever fitted sheet comes with it is 13 inches deep. They were very, very specific about that in the sleep lab.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because they took measurements. <laughs> uh, who the fuck am I kidding? I'm Irish. That's such bullshit. <laughs>
1: uh, no, no, now our asses are going to be more comfy when we read our polls every week. There we go.
0: See, that's how it's related. <laughs> there you go. All right, I'll take it. All right. So <laughs> the point is. The point is. The, it's been a very hectic week, but at least we, we've had internet. And thank God, because the the other internet news this week was uh the early drop of the I guess it's final because it op it, it opens in like seven weeks yeah but, May but yeah at least the latest trailer for Avengers Two Age of Ultron which like everybody else we've watched at least five six times in the last <laughs> few days yeah it's a uh, the. Obviously, we're going to see it, and obviously, I'm really looking forward to it. What feeling are you getting off the trailer? Because for me, it seems very there's a darkness to it. There's an Empire Strikes Back that almost no matter it's almost unrelenting. The the shit that is happening to the Avengers.
1: I feel like a lot of stuff is coming to fruition. I knew. That James Spader was a really douchey bad guy from the first time I saw him in Pretty in Pink, as the no, foil to Andrew McCarthy. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> what? what the hell is the matter with you? No, but seriously, I think I, 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 every time I see one of these trailers, I, I have a deeper appreciation for the voice work that Spader is doing on the Ultron character. Yeah, because he's really bringing that shit to life.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not a voice I ever would have imagined for Ultron, but uh, yeah, hearing that just sort of the measured menacing you know, not any screaming or... Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird, because if you look at classic depictions of Ultron from like old Avengers comics, he always has his arms in the air and his mouth full of Kirby crackle, like he's just <laughs> shrieking at Jesus or whoever. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, yeah, the, it, the voice certainly does work.
1: Yeah. Um, I... And, and, and this has been all over the internet like a rash. That shot where all of the Avengers are assembling and in action, moving linear across the screen, is is beautiful. And I don't understand why they didn't make that, the, the poster. I just don't. Oh,
0: yeah, the the left to right move? Yeah. Uh, only reason I can think of is nobody is looking directly at the camera and therefore the uh, potential ticket buyer.
1: And nobody's doing an ass shot. Like, (laughs) heedlessly.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I mean, with the widescreen version of that, it's hard to fit into a vertical. It certainly would be better than the sort of assembled, you know, everybody just sort of clearly photoshopped into a collage. Well, it's like
1: they took the old poster and then, yeah, like sort of image selected and then hit reverse. Yeah. And it's transposed from left to right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I, I could definitely see why that, should be the poster but you know
1: what do i know i'm not in marketing
0: look the world is full of design majors with photoshop they bought at the the campus (laughs) bookstore they need shit to do too i guess so
1: um i i'm really curious to see how um scarlet witch and quicksilver play out in this as ultron allies and how long that lasts through the movie before they see the light if they see the light
0: well, they—I think they inevitably have to. I mean, Quicksilver, Silver, and Scarlet Witch have such a long history with the Avengers. I don't think you can get through this whole movie without, you know, giving them their ID card.
1: One would think, but you know, since it looks like, um, at the very least, Scarlet Witch is going to be spending a, a chunk of time disrupting the Avengers. Yeah. I, won- I Again, I wonder how long that will last through the movie. Well, I-
0: I'm just wondering okay. how they even get into Ultron's orbit, because you know, at the conclusion of what uh, was the conclude the the post credit sequence, what was it? Winter Soldier, I think so. Yeah, where we saw him, where Baron Strucker had them. So how they get from that captivity to Ultron, and not just that captivity to Ultron, but full on that? Yes, we will certainly assist you in sucking hope from the human race.
1: Um I mean they could play that up just as as simply as that branch of hydra or, or whatever becomes aware of the activities that Ultron is beginning to perpetrate on the earth as a a failed security uh system <laughs> <laughs> and and decides that they want to try to ally with Ultron so that they can survive as best they can in the coming holocaust
0: yeah i suppose i mean all that is pure speculation at this point it's, yeah it'll be interesting to see how they get from that point a to point b and then yeah eventually wind up with the avengers although yeah with the with the pull that robert downey jr has on this franchise <laughs> I, i'm sure it'll be tony stark's magic testicles that turn scarlet witch around
1: that seems like an incredibly bad idea <laughs> Uh, because House of M. <laughs> well,
0: okay. That's true. I I doubt we'll see a Scarlet Witch that jacked up because, yeah, then the movie ends with no more Ultrons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's
0: really sort of anticlimactic for a multi million dollar Well, franchise. that's the other
1: thing. Yeah. It, 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 do, do they have to stay evil through three quarters of the movie because otherwise, yeah, the solution is no more Ultrons and you have a 10 minute movie?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Scarlet Witch, as she has been for the last, what, decade, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I first, Scarlet Witch was in the first comic book I ever read. It was a Marvel team up with Spider Man. With Spider Man, yeah. And th- she was unable to stop herself from being tied to a stake for burning <laughs> by some witch hunter named Cotton Mather, who I think, if I'm remembering right, I haven't, I own the issue, but I haven't read it in years. You know, it came from the times of the Salem witch trials. Yeah. There was
1: an actual Cotton Mather in Puritan, Massachusetts.
0: Okay. Either way, it's a long way power-wise from, oh, I can't stop this old Puritan to (laughs) no more mutants.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Bendis.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it worked for Avengers Disassembled.
1: Yeah.
0: Which which I think. I'm not an apologist for that series, but it's pretty divisive. I liked it.
1: I did like it as, as as a device to kind of tear down a world in continuity without having to do a reboot. I thought it was effective.
0: Yeah. And it's I had not read Avengers for really a long time before that series came out. Yeah. And it revitalized the book and took it in a direction now granted it's a direction that has not utterly held because the new Avengers, you know, as exciting as that was to me at the time, uh, yeah, Marvel Studios and sort of the originals have sort of taken over.
1: Yeah, but it just, up to
0: a point, Hickman has really changed some stuff around. But we'll we'll talk about that in a while, actually.
1: But that book, Avengers Disassembled, does give you a glimpse of, and I would imagine they may have drawn on some of the the ideas, not necessarily the plot, but the idea of what Scarlet Witch can do um, in terms of getting in your head and and fucking you up without laying a hand on you yeah um i I think about what happens to she hulk in that book um that's some of the most effective brian hitch art i think i've ever seen yeah no that
0: that (laughs) sequence where jennifer walters really hulks out yeah that's a really good few pages
1: yeah um but back to this trailer uh i'm curious uh I, i hear that Black Widow is going to have a particular arc of her own through this movie. So I'm going to be curious to see where that goes. They touch on the early Black Widow program in the Peggy Carter series. Um,
0: yeah. And the the speculation is that little flash cut of ballerinas is going to be part of her origin story. Yeah, Because otherwise, I don't know how the fuck you fit ballerinas, ballerinas into this there are some pretty ballerinas and then Ultron swarm <laughs> and rip
1: out their hips. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I want to know what kind of storyline Hawkeye is going to have. Cause he's had so very little to do since the last movie.
0: He's had so very little to do period. Yeah. You know, he spent most of Avengers, you know, in a fugue state following orders and, yeah. you know, poking at the eyeballs of German <laughs> ambassadors.
1: Like they were a dead fish.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and and which, which one did he debut in? Was it Thor? I think so. Yeah, and I don't even remember what he did in that. Thor is... I've never been the biggest Thor guy. Thor is the one Marvel Blu-ray I don't have. I should pick it up because it was not a terrible movie. It's just hard for me to give too much of a fuck about <laughs> Thor in general. Amazingly, um... I don't identify with cut gods <laughs> Somehow, I don't feel I have anything in
1: common with them. Um, I I don't know what to tell you. Uh, there's plenty of drunken gods out there. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, but Kirby never draws them with the same verve. <laughs> so I I feel like I'm getting short shrift.
1: I I I have no response. <laughs> <laughs> I I,
0: yeah. I am a large, semi-muscular man. I can take it. Somehow I think I'll be fine. <laughs> it's going to be okay.
1: Uh what are you excited about from this having watched it?
0: I mean, I will go days without sleep and crawl across broken glass to see The Hulk versus the Hulkbuster armor. Oh yeah. I could probably walk out of the theater after that and dry my pants and go home. I mean, that that sequence I really want to see. The the weird thing to me and I touched on it before the overall feel of the trailer is just so unrelentingly dark there is no we have a hulk moment yeah like we got from the trailers from the first movie it's the ultron and destruction are the focus from beginning to end yeah you know, with the and this is a, with the exception of the very end where we get our first glimpse of the vision oh yeah yeah which that... is real red meat for for we comic fans, but for Joe Blow from Falmouth, who just, you know, likes watching Robert Downey Jr. and his asshole buddies blow shit up real good. He has no <laughs> idea what the fuck he's seeing. There's like, this is a purple dude. I'm excited for purple dude.
1: Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because um, the Vision, that's Paul Bettany. Yeah. Who has been the voice of Jarvis. Right. So are they going to go the route that the comics take where... Ultron makes the vision or is this another experiment by Tony Stark that gets its own consciousness?
0: It could go either way. We're we're so divorced from the real origin of Ultron from the comics. Yeah. with Hank Pym and just trying to create an individual artificially alive android uh, who then turns around and creates Jocasta and We're so far divorced from that, it it could go either way.
1: Yeah. It
0: could come from Ultron, could come directly from from Tony. I I can, anything I say, be speculation. I can see Ultron trying to twist the shiv on Tony and saying, I will take your operating system and make it sentient and having a backfire on him. I can also see Robert Downey Jr.'s version of Tony Stark going, okay, I tried to create artificial intelligence and the world is nearly doomed, I can top it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, wait, wait, I'm going to double down on this. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> You're an imbecile. But I could see him doing it.
1: Um, in terms of the design, the one thing that has been also, speaking of speculation on the internet, because that never happens. Uh, yeah,
0: it's certainly not what we do every Sunday
1: night. <laughs> the yellow dot on Vision's head. Uh, the speculation on the internet is that that is the soul gem, and that's how the uh, events in this movie will tie eventually into Infinity War.
0: Which I suppose is possible. Have we seen the soul gem? Nope. I, yeah, I can't keep track sometimes of which ones we've seen in the various <laughs> Marvel movies.
1: Nope, we have not seen that one yet.
0: Okay. So I suppose that's a possibility where it gets unearthed or anything. You know, it. God, look, we're just... Who knows? We're like any other goddamn comic book geeks in the world. We're watching the thing three and four times and trying to guess. The only difference is we're doing it in a recording studio.
1: The only gem that's been... A, oh, I mean, there's the uh, the the Cosmic Cube. Is that supposed to be one of the gems?
0: Uh, the Tesseract has always been its own animal. Okay. Whether that's the winds up being the case as we move toward Infinity Gauntlet in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, okay. I don't know.
1: Um. And the the purple one, that was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Those, those are the only two things I'm aware of that have been unearthed so far.
0: Purple's a fruit, but no, there was a and a gem. <laughs> the, there was the blue one in Loki's. Oh, uh, okay. That's spear. that's
1: the okay. I see. I thought that was the tesseract.
0: No tesseract, because yeah, Loki had his spear first. Right. They needed the tesseract as a power source to open up the portal, so that Jatari could.
1: Got it. My, okay. My and then, God. Then you if, get- if
0: my parents could hear me now, they never should have bought that fucking Scarlet Witch Spider-Man team-up comic book. We ruined our son's life.
1: I'm sure they're very proud of you.
0: <laughs> That's adorable. I'm proud of you.
1: Oh, thank you should you. be proud of yourself. Let's just get ourselves trophies. I, I feel like I feel like there should be some self-esteem building. Okay.
0: Quit smiling, you <laughs> idiot. You're supposed to be a professional. Let's just move on from my own personal pain. Let's wrap this up so I can get my bottle of bourbon and revolver, for
1: fuck's sake. All right, so we have blue and we have purple. Um, that's what we've got so far, blue and purple. Okay. Blurple.
0: And to save my soul, I don't remember which two those are.
1: Yeah. They're blue and purple.
0: Yeah. So so I suppose it could wind up being the soul gem.
1: Yeah.
0: It would be an easy macguffin shortcut to slap that on a robot body with a non-sentient operating system in it and force a soul onto it yeah and god knows this is joss whedon so <laughs> he has a history of just saying uh let's add a soul and see what happens <laughs> from a story point of view
1: oh that's great so that means when scarlet witch finally does fuck him he's gonna lose his soul <laughs> <laughs> and then and then break up with her viciously which will cause house of m <laughs>
0: <laughs> that could totally work <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's,
1: that's not a terrible...
0: <laughs> I mean, it's a retread, but it's not a terrible way to go. Kevin Fage, to get the call thing me. Done. <laughs> Kevin Feige will never call <laughs> us. <laughs> He'd have some minion call and say, fucking stop it, just stop it right now.
1: Yeah, we've never been contacted by, by comics professionals, lawyers, ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't come home and shriek. They got my dick message <laughs> so... <laughs> But yeah, the, the the overall dark tone of the thing feels very Empire Strikes Back. Yes, feels like this will be yeah, again to go back to the the Whedon well. You know, we kind of won, and would be will if it does work out that way. Where okay, we stopped Ultron, but things have gone dark for the Avengers in general. That's a a good way to open up the the events of Civil War.
1: Sorry, I'm just stuck on we kind of won and now they're going to go eat shawarma and get their kumbaya yas out. No, oh, jeez.
0: <laughs> Stop doing mashups. It's creeping me the fuck out.
1: But... But you were saying.
0: But having it end Dark with, okay, we defeated Ultron, but now nobody trusts us because, let's face it, this was all courtesy of Tony Stark. Yes. Um, Having that move to the the events of Civil War with... Tony trying desperately to make amends and make everybody like him again, yeah, um, would seem to flow out of sort of a dark ending, but yeah, you know, like I said a few minutes ago, there is no exciting we have we have a hulk kind of moment, Because you know, at the at the end of the trailers for the original movie, say we have a hulk, and ooh, the Hulk going into battle against the enemy, well, shit, the biggest hulk thing we have in this is. The Hulk fighting Iron Man. They're fighting amongst themselves, for Christ's sake.
1: Well, and and also, we don't even know if that happens in the story or in somebody's head or... That
0: had fucking well better happen in the story if that's a goddamn dream sequence.
1: Well, my understanding is that, at least in one spot, you, you see um, Mark Ruffalo and Scarlett Johansson kind of looking longingly at each other in a doorway... That's the Scarlet Witch's fault. Okay. Uh, there's supposed to be some sort of love spell or something that she does to fuck with their heads. Which is f- interesting considering how deathly afraid Black Widow has been of the Hulk over like their entire history.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, their entire history of one movie, but that was one of the most effective parts of that movie for me was this unstoppable, unflappable super spy who even tied to a chair or (laughs) always had control of the situation, but just the intimation, the Hulk could come out. Just, she shut down immediately. Yeah. Literally
1: shut down. Couldn't breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so a fight, a fight with the Hulkbuster armor could be anything from Ultron getting control of the AI that powers that particular armor to the Scarlet Witch messing with the Hulk's head, which wouldn't be very hard. uh,
0: I gotta believe Joss Whedon is smarter than that. People want to see Iron Man versus the Hulk. Look, half of... But there needs to be a reason for it, is my point. there, There does need to be a reason, but let's start with the reason. He's the Hulk, giant green rage monster. Not reason monster. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, but who has been allied with, with Stark so far and saved him as he was falling through the air at the end of the first Avengers movie?
0: True, but he had somebody else to be angrier at, that being the Chitari. So we don't know how that situation gets into it. Yeah. But, but yeah, Hulk fighting Ultron, taking over Tony Stark's Hulkbuster armor. Yeah, that's... Joss Whedon's got to be smart enough to know that's not enough red meat for fan. It's not a not a thing people want to see. I mean I just I can't believe that's <laughs> Don't look at me like that. I can't believe I can't believe he would say, "Oh yeah, that's going to be good enough." And besides, the idea of when superheroes get together, first they fight and then they fight the enemy, that is such a trope of superhero comics. Yeah. And we saw it all over the place in the first Avengers movie. It was, you know, Iron Man versus Thor and then Thor versus the Hulk people want to see who's going to come out on top even if it winds up being a stalemate and it it's been that way in superhero comics forever
1: no i don't, you know, I don't right, disagree with right, you <laughs>
0: right back to the submariner versus the human torch back when it was timely comics
1: <laughs> I, I i don't disagree with you i'm just i'm i wonder how they're going to to write it in in a way that doesn't seem hokey i mean
0: i'm sitting here silently but it i, I don't see any reason <laughs> it it can be hokey <laughs> I mean, Captain America saying there's only one gob and jumping out of the back of a plane because Iron Man's pissy and Thor's a dick. There there wasn't much to hang that sequence on. Well,
1: I I suspect once I have, you know, a a mouthful of popcorn, you know, and, and I'm I'm caffeinated to the gills from like whatever big gulp I bring into the theater, I won't care. But (laughs) yeah, true. But, you know, right now as I'm sitting here, speculating i'm curious well
0: and and that's that's half the fun of this we're we're, like i said before we're not the only ones doing this by a goddamn site we just happen to be doing it with a whole bunch of recording equipment (laughs) i haven't finished my first beer yet i'm only (laughs) moderately buzzed at best okay so that's fine god damn it you just want to suck the joy out of everything just let me have my beer to have
1: your beer (laughs) okay
0: So yeah, it's uh, overall. God knows I'm excited about the movie. Yeah, the trailers make it look really dark, and I I have no doubt the Avengers will wind up on top at the end of it. But probably on top in the same way. You know, I I gave the example before: the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, okay, uh, we defeated Ultron, but at what cost? But yeah, we're fragmented and nobody trusts us anymore. (laughs) And
1: yeah, it's 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 definitely going to play into um, Civil War the next. Captain America. Um, I would imagine it will have effects beyond that as well, in terms of, you know, you, the the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. If they're if they're going down the path of these are Inhumans rather than mutants, which they are. Yeah. Um, how many more Inhumans, if any, do we see? Because they have their own movie coming up on the horizon, and. And in a world where they have remained hidden with good reason because of events that they showed in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where at least one of them was vivisected. Yeah, Um, that would make me hide. You know, to to find yourself yourselves coming to prominence in a time where then people want to label you and register you and immediately don't trust you because you're different.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I hadn't thought about how this could play into that kind of and you really (laughs) if they're going to make the Inhumans the Marvel Cinematic version of Mutants which they are then yeah that kind of built in distrust you almost have to start with just built in distrust at least for a while of regular superhumans, yeah, to have people on sort of the edge where yes and now suddenly people with superpowers are just showing up it's one thing where, yeah, we know everybody's name, and Tony Stark went out of his way to get his powers, and this is a super soldier who was created, but oh, and now Jesus, the, these four or five people did enough jam- damage, and now Billy from down the street is- Has no
1: eyes and can teleport. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, in setting up a way to have the Inhumans instinctively hated, it, it's not a bad way to go. Yeah. Now, how many Inhumans will be in this? I'm not sure we'll really see any more of this. I don't think,
1: yeah, I don't think you need to see any more than just those two. But it gets them inserted into the storyline right as Civil War is coming up as the next thing.
0: Yeah, that's true. And with with the work that Marvel's doing on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., assuming, has that been renewed or canceled yet? Do we know?
1: I I don't think it's been canceled. Okay. Um. It. It's getting better ratings than uh, Agent Carter, so that is on the bubble and may not come back. Um, There was an interview with Tara Butters and Mark Guggenheim. Um, They have ideas for what they would want to do in another season, but they're not sure that they've got the numbers. Okay. It's
0: a shame that was pretty good. Yeah. But but as a one-off, not as a one-off, but as sort of a limited series even if it continues what I was sort of going for was if they can keep agents of shield or something similar that's in Canon going, Yep. it it really is weird. Almost like, you know, you've got the big glossy comic books and then sort of the black and white pulps on TV of, yeah, we're keeping the story going over here if you want it and can ramp up the inhumans sort of over there. I think
1: there's a, a pretty good chance that it's coming back for another season after this, uh, they they've set a very interesting tone right out of the gate by seemingly killing off the heads of hydra in in their return episode. Yeah. Um but they're really building up. That's where the inhuman's are really ramping up. So I I would imagine in order to keep that concept relevant in addition to whatever seeds they may plant in movies leading up to inhuman's they're going to want to to keep that story going somehow. Well,
0: they're definitely going to want some kind of third channel because it's served them pretty well. It It is kind of clear at this point, at least to me, that's all this show is ever really going to be. The show has reinvented itself at least three times in the year and a half it's been on the air, from yeah. Case of the Week to, yep, we're going to show you the direct aftermath of a movie, To And now this character's dead and we're in a human story where anybody, it it really has modified as the cinematic universe has needed it, which is great for Kevin Feige and great for the cinematic universe as a whole. Because it's like, yeah, here's this channel where we can do this stuff and say it's canon and at least make some people aware of it. It's probably not the best idea for the fucking show itself, because...
1: It doesn't give it a chance to develop its own identity.
0: Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, it's evolving so much as... Reacting. Uh, yeah, like, okay, we're going to kill these samples and start with the next one and see how it goes.
1: Yeah, I, so they've they've introduced the pterogen mists and pterogenesis as a, a
0: concept. And with God as my witness, until they said Terrigenesis on that show, I always thought it was pterogenesis.
1: Yeah, I could like, see that. Like
0: telekinesis, because I only yeah. ever read the word... <laughs>
1: Um, if I'm Coulson, and I know that this is a thing out there in the world, or if I'm uh, what's her face Simmons, who got all a heavy-handedly anti-inhuman, needlessly out of the gate, yeah, I I think my next step would be trying to figure out where these patches of uh Terrigen mist are over over the the planet's surface, and then nuke them.
0: Well, <laughs> yes, if you could get the the public concerned enough although what what's more concerning eyeless dude who can teleport or tactical nuclear strike on the tunnels of manhattan
1: yeah no you raise a good point but if if they are going down this route of we're going to distrust that which is different there would have to be sort of a militant response from a certain segment of the population like are we going to see some variation of Frenzy of Humanity. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, or, or some kind of see that that's a good thing about the the mutants, they have sentinels. Yeah. Which are a non nuclear but still large and cinematic looking response to this kind of thing. Right. So they'd have to come up with something similar for the inhumans. Yeah. Because yeah, you you can't you can't the tunnels of Manhattan. It would piss off the mole man and we'd never see it because Fox owns Fantastic Four. See, there's just so many rights problems. <laughs> And that's a sad thing. It's as much as am I the only one who at this point with everything that's been announced about Captain America Civil War, I'm looking more forward to that than I am to Avengers Age of Ultron. It's not to say I'm not looking forward to Avengers Age of Ultron, but Jesus Christ, Captain America versus Tony Stark with Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, I, I am looking forward to it. Now particularly because they have gotten the rights to use Spider Man in some capacity. Yeah. However, <laughs> I I remain somewhat concerned because I know what endless kind of shit civil war led to. <laughs> yes. To be fair. If they only cherry pick from some of the better parts of that, that'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Th- to be fair, a lot of that is Mark Millar's fault. <laughs> What the fuck you want me to say? It's Mark Millar's <laughs> fault. He decided, I need to have a situation where there's a civil war. It was completely self-contained, which meant in order for within this six or seven issue miniseries, in order for it to happen, people needed to act in a way they've never acted before. Right. Tony Stark in particular, to the point where Matt Fraction had to literally reboot the character's brain. And with yeah. what, with what <laughs> Tom Taylor's doing in Superior Spider-Man... Uh, Superior Spider-Man, Superior Iron Man, we're probably going to have something similar coming up. But yeah, the groundwork, and it's hard to say because nobody's seen Age of Ultron yet, the the groundwork is potentially there. The character has always shown the hubris of, I'm the one who can save the world. Right from the end of Iron Man and Iron Man 2, of I've privatized world peace. Yeah. So it is completely within character for him to say, I'll create AI and save the world. And that arrogance could carry over as it goes wrong, as clearly it's going to, and if it ends on the kind of dark note that everything we've seen seems to indicate it's going to, it makes total sense to be, okay, well, you know what? Machinery is not the answer, but I'm still the smartest person in the room, so I'm going to support superhuman registration. Yes. So the groundwork's been laid, and it's been laid since 2008.
1: Yeah, no, I don't disagree I just I just remember fear itself and everything that came after
0: <laughs> Well, fear itself is its own monkey.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it's like because we're going to talk about Walking Dead later in the show. You know, they, they get to Alexandria. Yay. But then I know that Negan's on the horizon or however you pronounce his name. Boo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Civil War. Okay, that's a great storyline. Yay. But uh, <laughs> I'm glad they're going off-planet for like the Infinity Gauntlet stuff, because that means that they aren't going to hopefully spend much time on fear itself.
0: <laughs> well, uh, nobody is talking about going to fear itself. Yeah. But you just worry, like, if you're me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and God knows I'm hoping that Thor Ragnarok is not fear <laughs> itself, for fuck's sake. But
1: Fear itself, and then the fearless, and... Fear my mom. and
0: <laughs> I already fear your mom. <laughs> Nobody needs to tell me to do that.
1: Fear pants. I
0: don't... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm... it's a good trailer. It has a, a dark feel for me. I, I really... I'm looking forward to seeing it. But, yeah, if you told me a year ago I'd look more forward to Captain America 3, that, number one... What the Russo brothers did with the Winter Soldier would be that good that yeah. yeah, take another crack at it. Yeah, it's a if Captain America three and Avengers two open the same day, I'd go to Captain America three first.
1: I yeah, well, I don't know. I I like I really liked the Avengers, so I'm excited for this. I I, I wanna I wanna experience this first.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not excited for this. I'm just saying. Yeah, it, it's very strange for me. That's like, no, nah, I kind of want this other one more.
1: But I, I think we need to to see how this plays out first. Oh,
0: we definitely have to. And I will be, I'm sure, grinning like a moron walking out of the theater after we'll Avengers 2. will probably see it two or three times. Exactly, just like we did the first one. Yeah. it's. I'm sure it's going to be... Look, Joss Whedon has never steered me wrong. The First Avengers was great. I'm sure this is going to be really good at least. Yeah. So
1: um it, it's interesting how we've sort of gone off on various tangents. Yeah. <laughs> we originally were like, "Hey, we'll touch we'll touch on uh, the trailer and then we're going to get into these other things." You could spend hours <laughs> speculating about how a storyline might go. Well,
0: it, and it's fun to do. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: but um,
0: Do you want to leave it at that? And, yeah, and why, move don't, on to... why don't we? <laughs> okay. Because, yeah, how are we doing on time, for God's sake?
1: Uh, we've been talking about that for about 50 minutes. Good
0: Lord. Okay. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, one of the benefits of all... Well, there, there have been no benefits to the travails that have fallen the Home Office here with uh, flooding and water coming down the walls and internet f- off and cable off for a while.
1: Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria.
0: <laughs> but uh, one of the the benefits uh, we we have a, a TiVo, and so since cable has been back on for about the last week, finally it grabbed all the airings uh, so far this season of The Walking Dead. So we're finally caught up on it we did a savage burn
1: we did a massive binge watch yeah
0: earlier this (laughs) afternoon of the first uh first four episodes of the season so just wanted to do a check-in segment of how things are going and how we feel about it
1: so the the first episode was something like where things uh, what what happened and where things are going
0: (laughs) uh yeah, what happened and what's going on is the actual title.
1: Which it kind of actually, you know, speaks to what we're about to talk about for all four of these episodes.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's a I know this because yeah, I've got a notebook full of That's a weird thing when you have a podcast. Yeah, I certainly watch these things for pleasure, but I'm feverishly taking notes as <laughs> I'm watching these fucking things.
1: This means something. <laughs> this is important. <laughs>
0: So, I don't know, any overall impressions before we get uh specific into episodes or things that Well,
1: all right. I I was one of those people that was just gutted and felt sucker punched although I should have seen it coming by the death of Beth uh prior to the hiatus. Yeah. It, you <laughs> She she had really started to grow on me and and then they killed her and I and I get it, but <laughs> well,
0: and that's the thing. there's sort of an overall feeling that throughout the history of the show the the original theory has always been if it's a black character <laughs> who gets more than one speech in an episode to become interesting, they're dead, yeah, I think under I now
1: really worry for Sasha,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think under Scott Gimple that has widened it's yeah, if you're a fringe character and you suddenly become a focus, that's yeah. because. Your days are fucking
1: numbered. <laughs> um. So to come back and and have this beautifully shot and and when we watched the Talking Dead afterwards, uh, I watched it. You were you were doing other things. The Tyrese bottle
0: of bourbon revolt. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs>
1: they they kept um comparing it to Terrence Malick and and his work. Okay. Google it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Did Did he do the Spider Man TV series?
1: <laughs> uh. No. But it was, it, was, it was beautifully shot and the, the misdirection where you opened and you assumed that it was Beth's funeral and then they go through and they, they work on getting Noah back to his people because that's what Beth would have wanted because she was going to help him. And of course it's gutted and, and burnt and fucked up and the walkers have been through and and Tyrese is a rock for Noah. You know he's he's there. He wants to get this kid through it, and because he cares so much, he gets eaten by a walker. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: well, well, he met that law. He had two speeches. Yep, and then he got bit.
1: Yep. So. Um. And again I should i have I've been keeping myself spoiler free until we were able to do the binge watch yeah by
0: but, the way we're we're spoiling the living shit out of the first four episodes of The Walking Dead, yeah, from here on out, yeah, so just be prepared
1: um to so so when he loses his focus when when Tyrese loses his focus and he's looking at the pictures on the wall yeah. in in Noah's old room um he he loses focus. He has that, that moment where he's just sort of lost in his in his world, and that's when zombie twin brother comes in and bites him. Yep. Uh, and I just felt so bad. Like, oh, don't go out like that, man. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> oh, fucking kids. <laughs>
0: they ruin everything.
1: But it was an interesting thing to see because they made such a point of looking at those pictures that yeah, Noah's twin brother stayed the same age. So whenever this attack happened, it was a few years back, and and if Noah had been there, he would have been dead too. Yeah. So in some ways, even though the the people at the hospital in Atlanta were complete asshats, uh, he was safer <laughs> there in, in that police state than he was if he had stayed with his family.
0: Yeah, the age thing, actually, I didn't pick up on that. I had noticed it was a younger kid, but yeah, I didn't make the connection that he was younger because it it was the twin brothers. So that was a a nice detail they threw in there. I totally didn't pick up on that.
1: Terrence Malick was the writer of The Thin Red Line. What kind of parents would name their kid that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which I've not seen, so I don't know what to tell you.
1: Uh, If
0: there's no superhero, unless The Thin Red Line is the name of a superhero team, uh, I haven't seen it (laughs)
1: Uh, directed Badlands in 1973. All right,
0: Badlands I've seen, because that was based on Charlie Starkweather, and I find that shit fascinating. Days
1: of Heaven in 1978.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to have to stop with Badlands.
1: Okay, I'll just stop with Badlands. Okay. So, uh, another thing, and I didn't notice it going through, somebody talked about it, I think, on The Talking Dead later. All of those uh, walkers that had been torn apart, because body parts were sort of strewn. Yeah. And there was just sort of a level of viciousness in terms of the attacks. Like Noah's mom got brained. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and zombies certainly would eat flesh, but they haven't been brain eaters like in your Romero kind of movies. Well,
0: they weren't brain eaters in yeah, Romero. It's that's a good point, yeah. It's Return of the Living Dead.
1: Right, the, the ones that are sort of the, the, the riffs on the Romero movies. Right. Nope, nobody's been brained. <laughs> True. <laughs> so... I suppose the walkers could have done it, but signs seem to be pointing towards something else came through. Yeah, no, somebody did that. Yeah.
0: Because it was all, uh, when Michonne went outside the gates in the effort to try to show, no, we can build this place up, that was all legs and arms. Yeah, The torsos were in that
1: truck as they
0: were trying to escape.
1: The torsos were in the truck, but apparently also in their heads, somebody had carved a W. And not, I don't not for winter.
0: I don't want to, I don't want this to become political. Uh, <laughs> I I, <laughs> I did notice the W. I, I took it on faith that somebody did that. Yeah. Now, whether it's the people from Alexandria.
1: Well, this is what I'm wondering because you know then we you know jumping ahead, uh, eventually they they have contact made with them by this guy Aaron. Is Aaron? Yeah who is a representative of um, a compound that has been formed at Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, The runners who go out and look for supplies from this compound are led at, when we meet them by the person who's running Deanna um, Monroe who is a former congressperson from Ohio. Her her <laughs> yeah. son apparently is in charge of of leading the raids to go get food and supplies because he was rotsy once upon a time, so that makes him eminently qualified to go out and, and do things. Yes, uh, it's true.
0: This man has no dick. No.
1: <laughs> and he demonstrates a level of, of just douchebaggery and incompetence, and at the same time, woo, shoot him up nonsense that could be... You know, the kind of person that would go out and do that sort of shit to walkers and and possibly other communities if they're looking for supplies.
0: Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's (laughs) that. I I had not made the direct connection because, yeah, it was a few episodes earlier between the torsos and yeah, this dingus running around
1: who immediately you just want to punch. Some people have a punchable fucking face.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: and that kid had a punchable fucking face <laughs> Yeah,
0: if if I ever refer to a firearm of any kind as a sweet biscuit it's because I want you to take it from me and blow my fucking head off
1: no I will just pistol whip you
0: <laughs> that's fine and I'll have it coming
1: so. <laughs> I, I just alright so backing up what are your yeah. thoughts <laughs> well
0: I mean on the first episode in particular it really felt like, as Tyrese was hallucinating, basically half of the cast of the show who had been killed and left. Yeah, it really. Well, it was good to see those people. There were a couple things that stuck out to me. It it really felt like Scott Gimple was saying, "Okay, what's an excuse to bring like everybody who's ever been on the show back? Because I want to celebrate. I made it longer than Darabont." <laughs> um, we're gonna have yeah. a kegger, and we're gonna bring the whole band back together.
1: <laughs> Blackjack and hookers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, I forget. Yeah, okay. But um, the other thing that dragged me out of it was Beth singing. And I know one more st-
1: excuse to have Beth sing.
0: <laughs> well, it's at any time an actress sings on a show. I'll, I don't hear the song. I hear their agent saying, "Yeah, unless they sing, they're not gonna sign the deal to come back."
1: They're multi talented, and, and this is how I get on the Disney Channel. And
0: yeah. <laughs> Um, when it comes to Tyrese's death in particular, you know, even though he was haunted by these hallucinations and memories of what he heard on the radio, mm-hmm. he's one of the few characters who really felt like he went out with a sense of peace about it. Yeah. that you know, Like, okay, this is the way the world is, but I, I did what I felt was right. Yeah. And you know came to terms with things as opposed to just, you know, having their neck torn open to bleed out.
1: Yes. I I found his his argument back and forth with the governor's hallucination fascinating. <laughs> Cuz I I hadn't really considered how heavily the choices he made in Woodbury were still possibly weighing on him. Yeah, that's true. Cuz he he's again, he's been this rock. He's been this sort of quiet force that has Just been helpful ever since Woodbury, yeah. Um, And and you know, in some ways, now I'm saddened because it seems like there were some things with that character that would have been just ripe for exploration that are just a a wasted opportunity for the writers. That
0: (laughs) well, if you're gonna kill somebody in a debut, you can't really go niche, like. It'd be really easy to kill Father Gabriel, but right now there's no weight to that. So you've got a short list of people you can kill yeah. to keep hammering home. We'll kill anybody. <laughs> well, it can't be Glenn, because if we're going to see Negan, we know if if Glenn's going out, we know where he's going out. Right. Um. It. It, it can't be rick although there's all kinds of speculation but there's speculation every year that oh this is the year they'll kill rick
1: well there people are already um speculating that glenn might be the one to go even though in the comics it's at a different time i mean andrea went at a different time than she did in the comics and she hasn't really gone in the comics yet (laughs) yeah so um there some people are speculating it might be maggie because you know she's really been struggling since her father, and then her sister died. Yeah. Uh, she was she was close to being done.
0: <laughs> and that's, that's one of the real strengths of the show, the willingness to step away from the source material, at least in specific ways.
1: Yeah. So if they want to kill somebody and have it have weight, they would need to look at somebody who may still live on in the comics currently, or... Yeah had gone at a later time in the comics.
0: Well, not only that, but somebody that you might actually give a shit about. Right. So,
1: so, and that, that leaves other people to, to worry that fan favorite Daryl may be the one that's offed in the, in the finale (laughs) for the season because, uh, uh, he took the odd step of, and again, jumping ahead when they finally get to Alexandria, there, there's a really big scene where, where Rick, uh, decides that he is going to clean himself up, and he showers for the first time in forever. He he cuts his beard off and he shaves. And Norman Reedus apparently asked him to collect the hair, and <laughs> and it's living in Norman Reedus' fridge in his trailer.
0: That doesn't necessarily mean anything about what's going to happen to Daryl. Norman Reedus could just be a fucking freak. <laughs> I mean-
1: Jesus Christ. He's going to go with the breast implant that that nice lady e- sent me in the mail and, and my, my necklace of ears.
0: Yeah, just, and... <laughs> just ride off on his Harley and cackle during the summer break <laughs> and come back to a big fucking raise for season six. Doesn't mean anything.
1: Or, or he wants to sleep on a pillow made of Rick's hair. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's impossible to say, but uh, Jesus Christ.
1: Uh so, I mean, I think that would be a character where there would be a significant amount of impact would be if, if they killed off Daryl.
0: They will no more kill Daryl than they would kill Robert Kirkman. <laughs> uh, Daryl's one of the major fan favorites, and there's just too many questions about him. You know, to kill him now without revealing more of his past and personality, my God. And the, the There's half the fandom of this show that if you kill him before... You know, half of them it's like if you kill him before he gets together with Carol the other half it's if you kill him before he reveals he's gay either way you got half the readership <laughs> half the viewers are going to turn the fucking thing off it's just how it is he's
1: now, just Kirkman said favorite. he may be asexual and that's a whole different thing
0: <laughs> I know I'm just saying there's a lot of people with a lot wrapped up in that character yes. so without some more development I don't think you can kill him not if you want to keep a viable TV show
1: I don't disagree. Be like
0: if you whacked Laverne from Laverne and Shirley in season <laughs> three, you can do it. It's not a wise choice to get to that 10th season where they go to fucking Hollywood. Is it? I, I agree. I know far too much. About Laverne and Shirley. about Yeah, We're
1: going to have to explore that later. No,
0: we're not. We don't have to. We can, <laughs> we can just pretend uh, that <laughs> this never happened.
1: So uh, we, we got a little sidetracked. I know. I'm oh, shocked. We do that. I'm shocked. Uh, so Tyrese died. One of the things I'm I'm happy didn't happen is we didn't see him turn. I didn't want to see him turn. There's a there's a history of, you know, a character gets bit on the show, uh, they die, they turn. <laughs> yeah. And he went out with a great deal of peace and got to stay peaceful. Yes. As far as we know. <laughs> yep. So I thought that was I thought that was nice to see.
0: Now, the next episode, uh, that was them, the one where uh, there ain't no water and there ain't no food. Yep. Why don't you give any impressions that you have before? Because I had one very specific problem with this episode.
1: Okay. I, I I know that Daryl is a master tracker, but the way he's able to run off and then come back and find everybody... (laughs) Yeah, uh, but whatever.
0: <laughs> but then again, it's to be fair. It's not like they were hauling ass down the road. They were sort of making a slow pace, and as long as he can find his way back to the road, he's not going to be too far off from him.
1: Yeah. So they're they're in a humid Georgia summer. Yep. However, there also conversely seems to be a hell of a drought going on. And that, that's the problem that I had. To the point where they come across a, a dry creek bed, except that it's not really dry because in that level of humidity, nothing can be that dry. Well, <laughs> as, as you, They're kicking up dirt. I'm like, it's moist. It's moist. Well, <laughs> look, the
0: concept that they have to hunt that hard for both food and water is a compelling story point. Yeah. But the problem is we live in the 21st century where anybody watching this show has a smartphone in their hand and... An iPod or an iPad on their coffee table. And yeah, I spent the first five minutes of this not so much paying attention, but yeah, I found a fucking hydrological map of Virginia and it, it looks like John Holmes's veiny dick. <laughs> there's so much shit. It's, there's literally rivers everywhere. There's a million acres of wetland in fucking Virginia. And then you go to Google Maps, there is a convenience store. Every half mile on Route <laughs> 1 that goes to Washington.
1: Uh, yeah, they're they're out in some... Well, they, they didn't get to Virginia. They weren't at Virginia at that point, though. I think they were still in South Carolina. Not that that makes a lot of difference.
0: Well, no, they were headed to Virginia because that's where Noah's town was. Was it? Yeah, okay. so they were in Virginia, right. and this is when they made the decision to go to Washington.
1: Got it. Okay. All right. But they 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 were shooting it in Georgia. <laughs> so that's where they shoot this. True, but it's... um, but so yeah, it's, it's supposedly so so drought-ridden. Like the frogs have died. Uh, Daryl is eating worms <laughs> because he doesn't care. Uh, They're protein.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, and the other thing that that got me on that, and and this may just say more about my mindset when the dogs attacked and they shot the dogs and we see them eating dog. Yeah. You can clearly see the mindset of the writer saying, oh, this'll people will see this as horrible where my mindset was, you know, this is bad, but at least I remember there's a baby there who needs formula and that baby's not eating dog and yeah, eat the dogs. That means you're not turning on Judith.
1: Yeah, but I'm a sick fuck. <laughs> I don't so... m- m- maybe somebody mashed up the dog with 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 their own mouth and saliva and spit it into her mouth like baby bird. I I don't know.
0: <laughs> that would gross me out and cause me to turn off the show.
1: But... No, actually, you, you know what they were doing to feed her? Because you see it in the next episode when they're in the barn. Uh, Rick has been mashing up acorns for her. That's been her food. Yeah,
0: I don't even know if that would work. I remember that, but
1: I. I... As a child, would occasionally eat an acorn. They were bitter. That's what I remember. I don't know how many of them you can eat without them being toxic. I don't know if they are. But I, I did know that you could eat at least one or two of them and not get sick. They didn't taste great.
0: Well, okay. I, I suppose I'll buy that. But <laughs> if you're, if they're safe enough to feed to a baby, why isn't everybody shoveling down acorns by the fistful?
1: Because they taste bitter.
0: Well, <laughs> You know what else tastes bitter? Dying of fucking starvation.
1: I don't disagree with you. <laughs> so,
0: I don't, this was clearly this episode was supposed to be the dark, the darkness before the dawn. Yes, and, and I can buy that. But this one was so up until the end relentless that when Sasha told Noah if you don't believe you're going to make it, you're not going to make it. I just hit peak gloom and literally it flashed in my head. I'm like, Jesus, maybe this show needs a musical episode.
1: I I don't know. Who's going to sing? Beth's dead.
0: Just use that Steve Martin song. Oh, death and grief and sorrow and murder.
1: see what I I noticed in, in the um, Tyrese episode to a certain degree and um, because of, of Glenn's, Actions and statements about, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh and Rick's to a certain degree. And certainly in this episode, many of the characters are beginning to take an almost fatalistic fatalistic bent. Uh and and it's just sort of this slog at this point and people are just thinking of it it's very much like what Sasha says. If you don't think you're gonna make it, you're not gonna Yeah. And and then and then she's like, "Don't think, eat." I'm like, "Is that what the zombies do? Like, <laughs> you're not living at that point. You're just you're just moving." <laughs>
0: well, yeah, and this is the episode where it's supposed to be the absolute worst, and that's why it makes a lot of sense. I I understand why they went with the oh, we can't find food or water. It's that bad. Yeah. Even though Google quickly shows that probably wouldn't be the case, but
1: but when, to when be you- fair, they wouldn't have had. If if most of humanity is dead, who's manning the satellites that would be able to beam that information into your smartphone?
0: True, but with the 7-Eleven every half mile... Yeah. Yeah, you might not be able to get your hands on Poland Spring water, but you could. the zombies aren't drinking the monster energy drink. <laughs> you're going to find something. Yeah. But you know you're in bad shit when this was the episode where Daryl lost his shit.
1: Yeah, yeah Daryl needed to uh, burn himself to feel. <laughs> yeah.
0: And with a a character like that in that kind of situation, that was just as powerful as, you know, somebody digging in a creek bed hoping to, to find some moisture.
1: Well, and, and we got into some interesting conversations. Carol saying to him, you have to feel it. I, you know, it's OK for me to not feel it. But you have to feel it. You have to work through this. In, in reference to what had happened with Beth and with Denise, right. particularly Beth, um, and and Daryl just kept wandering off like he was trying to find something, and not just food or water. He just wandering off. Yeah. And I got worried for him, like because he is a character who has survived so much, and and has grown so much since the pilot. Yeah. Around the pilot, whenever he was debuted. So, since he got his shit together after after he had his little breakdown and started crying after he burned himself with a cigarette, yeah, which seemed like it was out of fucking Heathers. Uh-
0: <laughs> My biggest problem with that was as an ex-smoker who wishes for a cigarette every day, I'm like, if you fucking do that, I don't care if you're Daryl Dixon or Jesus fucking Christ, you waste a cigarette like that again, I will end you.
1: <laughs> uh I I was happy to see him sort of pull it together, which is where I'm concerned now that they're in Alexandria that he's going to relapse in some fashion.
0: <laughs> he clearly has a lot to deal with and he is not in a good place to deal with it in the way that he would. Right. So yeah, something could go very wrong there. But let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves because I'm not convinced he is as lost as say I'm not I'm not any more convinced he's lost than I'm convinced that Carol wants to join the Junior League but we'll talk That's a about that conversation.
1: in a yeah. um, I understand that they were trying to make some points about things are darkest before the dawn and the idea of faith and and what it means to live for something and 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 have your belief in something rewarded even if you have forsaken it there were some heavy-handed moments with this show as well. <laughs> they're
0: they're definitely worth it. The four episodes here, and, and maybe all through the show, it's just these four are the most fresh in my mind. There were some really great moments of subtlety and good acting, all wrapped in just heavy-handed, smack you over the face symbolism. Or hey, here's the message. And uh, yeah, in this episode in particular. When the rain started and Father Gabriel said, I'm sorry, God, that said a ton about the character and where he was with his faith and how he had forsaken it.
1: Oh, he had he'd burned his his priestly dicky. Yeah, and even that, <laughs> see, you didn't
0: need that. Just yeah. the I'm sorry, God would have said volumes about the character. Yeah. So you have something that's at least a little bit subtle there, followed by at the end of the episode... And I hated it when it happened in the comic book. At least it was a little more subtle here. The we are the walking dead speech. (laughs) That is such a crack across the face of ooh symbolism and intent of story. And I I didn't like it when Rick did it in the comic. I didn't like it here, but at least it wasn't.
1: Well, it's like when a band references itself in a song. I I, hate that, too. I I started singing in a big country because I couldn't help it. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I even found it to be heavy handed <clears throat> when they, they survived the onslaught of, of the herd of walkers, uh, who at- attacked the barn in the night in the howling rainstorm. And they woke up the next morning to find out that the reason they had survived was because a bunch of trees, act of God, fell on the walkers. Yeah, between the
0: rainstorm right when they needed it, and uh, yeah, I assumed it was a tornado that just happened to go right by and knock them all down. They should have called this episode Deus Ex Machina. (laughs) Yeah. And it was... (laughs) But it it was weird with the timing. There was so much of what, yes, seemed to be actively God himself intervening at the last minute to keep them alive. God wants Daryl Dixon to live. Well then when aaron shows up at the perfect timing as people are starting to tempt them it's like okay now we've got god and satan symbolism it's like oh for fuck's sake
1: (laughs) i i was now i know what happens in the in the comics so i knew that Aaron was safe, but I half expected Sasha to shoot him <laughs> just reflexively yeah. because she had done that to the dogs. Like everybody like froze and w- weren't able to function when the dogs showed up except Sasha. She was Johnny on the spot with the sniper gun. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. And that would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Let's do. <laughs> okay. Here's this character from the comic. Not, we're going in a whole different direction. Yeah. But
1: I, I do wonder based on, on how she's reacting to Tyrese's death. Um, much like in the comics, the good Andrea,
0: <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
1: uh, in, in terms of how she reacts to her sister's death, begins to become much more serious minded and, and, and her value to the group becomes uh, a lot through her marksmanship. Yes. So I wonder if this is a direction that they're going to take Sasha down because she's been very – her, her major scenes have been with the rifle. In the in the wake of Tyrese's death,
0: yeah, and the uh, the Talking Dead scene from uh, the episode that's airing tonight uh, shows again her with the rifle and just one shot taking things out.
1: Yeah, so she yeah she's taken she's taken the dogs out without even thinking about it. Uh, in the following episode, when they arrive at Alexandria, she takes out a walker casually. Uh, yeah, from f- a distance, at fifty yards at least. <laughs> and then, yeah, we see in in the promo for tonight's episode, she's uh, senselessly killing uh, photographs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to work some shit out, or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, mean, I could shoot photographs to uh, to work shit out, but they would have to be photographs of very particular
1: people. <laughs> so someday
0: I'll show you my list. <laughs> Don't worry, you're not on it.
1: Let's let's not talk about you having a list. That's how you get on a list.
0: I have a list. Show sure samples. Sure and I will take care of it <laughs> when the time is right.
1: Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna be all right. Hands above the table.
0: <laughs> anyway.
1: <laughs> so Yeah, I I mean I, I liked lots of that particular episode. But there was a fair amount of heavy-handed shit in
0: there. <laughs> oh, look the, I, and I've got it all over my notes. The this is an act of God. This is an act of God. And yeah, Aaron's showing up saying I've got good news.
1: Good news, everybody. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah okay. Uh, clearly, you're you're here to tempt them. Uh, yeah. It just felt like a real heavy-handed God Satan thing, which they get away from immediately in the next.
1: I'm listening to you. In the
0: next episode. But, yeah, it just sort of walloped to me. It's a weakness of these episodes. Some real moments of subtlety preceded
1: and followed by, do you
0: get it? <laughs> do you get where we're laying down, motherfucker?
1: Oh, by the way, the internet does say you can eat acorns, but I should have gotten sick as a child because you're supposed to do stuff to leach out the bitter, nauseating stuff. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if they were doing that for for judith maybe she is going to die and it's rick's fault
0: <laughs> then why weren't they doing it for every well okay he was trying to add water so if there was no water to do it okay i can buy that
1: yeah
0: all right i'll accept it okay i'll allow it god <laughs> damn it all
1: right so have we have we covered that one I, and also the music box that was oh. <laughs> it wanted to be precious but it was also a moment of uh really
0: So on the nose of, oh, it doesn't work. But then Satan Aaron shows up (laughs) and magically it fires off. And I could be reading that entirely wrong and it could just be, yep, God is working and here's another sign from God and that includes the music box. But... Number one, I don't want this many acts of fucking God in my zombie story. If God can come in and intervene, take out the zombies.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of convenient stuff in one episode. Yeah. It's like God was off doing other shit. He came back and was like, oh, damn.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and who in particular in the group is he saving?
1: <laughs> yeah. Damn. All right, all right, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. Now I I I've I've got my bridge night. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I got my stories on. It's a new episode of Walking Dead. Oh, it's you.
1: So uh, now in the the episode after that, what was that one called?
0: Uh no shit. That was the second one. Yeah. That was uh
1: So we're talking about them. What's the what's the third one?
0: Uh third one is The Distance. All right,
1: so The Distance. In this particular episode we saw a bit of a power struggle between Michonne and Rick.
0: Michonne
1: is, well, where everybody else is beginning to get fatalistic uh, in the Tyrese episode, Michonne, who has arguably, other than, say, Daryl, been out surviving in the wilderness for the longest. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Without a group to support her, uh, who who was suspicious of Woodbury, rightly so, but in, in a way that was almost uh, psychic, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is finally at a place now where she is trying to be the voice of reason and suggest that y'all get off the road <laughs> and 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 let's let's create a safe community somewhere. There is a thing such a, there is a, a state where you can be out trying to survive on your own in the wilderness for too long. Yes. And and she is really fighting with Rick and Glenn about this who aren't highly inclined to do this.
0: Yeah, I mean there was there was a moment in this episode and it's when Michonne is basically telling Rick that she thinks they should check out Aaron's story. Yep. And and go and see if the cars are actually there. And again, this is another thing of subtlety wrapped around with just heavy-handed stuff. It's a great moment where, and I forget the name of the actress who plays Michonne, because my brain is full of actual comic book shit, but (laughs) um, you can hear the tone go from trying to convince him to telling him (laughs) this is how it's going to go.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And and that, I'm not sure it's necessarily seizing of control, but at least the change of tone gets... Enough people on her side that it it does shift the balance of power at least temporarily.
1: Danai, I'm probably going to butcher this name. Danai Gurira? Yeah, that. Danai Gurira?
0: <laughs> based on how you're saying, I'm sorry, it, ma'am. Can, <laughs> based on how you're saying it, I can picture how it's written, and that therefore seems correct. I was going to say sounds correct, but that doesn't sound right at all. But
1: um, you, the group is is beginning to split, and. The case is made by Aaron in this episode that, that people are the most important resource they can have and that the that the group hasn't turned on itself prior to now is a real testament to, to how they they work together and, and why they would be a good uh, asset to any any community that they joined. Right. But, you know, the, the fractures are there that. You know, if Tyrese, who had been previously unexplored prior to his death, had that much shit weighing on him, uh, in that one episode, what's going on with Maggie, who's just about done? What's going on with Abraham, who we haven't revisited in a while? What's going on with Tara? What's going on with Rosalita? I mean, (laughs) Rosita? Rosita. Um, there, there's, there's stuff going on for all of these characters. Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that is bubbling just beneath the surface and people are putting their their issues aside and not dealing with them for the sake of the the group, the greater the greater good of the group and moving forward and not getting eaten. Well there there
0: is and there has been through this entire season an overarching theme of what does it mean to live versus survive. Yeah. And Alexandria will give a good microcosm or environment in which they can explore that, where the need to survive is backed off. But if that's the mode that you've been in, what happens to you? Right. So there's some interesting stuff on the horizon and some interesting stuff in these last couple of episodes that that we, we already see. You no, know, I alluded to Carol. We'll we'll talk about that when we when we get to the the fourth episode, but
1: I mean, Rick's level of paranoia is healthy for what they've gone through so far. And we still don't have any clear indication when we when we get to Alexandria that his suspicions are unfounded. Yeah, <laughs> there was listening equipment in Aaron's car.
0: Oh, there was listening equipment in Aaron's car. There's uh what's her face is the congressperson's videotape uh, yeah videotaping everything and and her son being a fucking dildo power med, yeah douche
1: uh the the insistence when when the going finally got unbearable to Aaron <laughs> that he was out and needed to get out of the car suddenly like all of this time he spends trying to persuade them under under the most stressful of circumstances yeah now, is it just that he's worried about his lover Eric's well-being because the flare has gone off, or is there some larger thing that he's pulling the trigger on because he's decided he's reached critical mass with this audition?
0: Yeah, and and I'm not sure. It could be could be either way. If it was Column B, then clearly Glenn coming back for him changed his mind on it. Yeah. Uh, if it was Column A. Uh, either way, Glenn coming back for him probably went a long way. I mean, it's it definitely went a long way to, between saving Eric and saving him. He believed enough to give them the name of where the community was. Yeah. But, yeah, I would be interested to revisit exactly what he meant by, okay, I'm done, let me out. Yeah. <laughs> because we don't have that answer yet. And with Rick's paranoia, I mean, one of the overarching things that I think we're going to have to deal with. Is Rick becoming the bad guy? And it's something that we've talked about with the comic book. Granted, yeah. we're a lot further down the road, but, yeah, we're starting to see it in the most recent issues of Walking Dead where he's ordering punishments and... Mm-hmm.
1: Well, they they put the Easter egg in um, of the what, in the Alexandria episode when he, he agrees to become their constable and he gets the the greatest mall security outfit ever <laughs> conceived by a, a costuming department. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That guy was a jackass.
0: He looked terrible.
1: He, yeah, he just, all he needed was a segue. Uh, he was,
0: yeah. Oh God.
1: Um, But it, it, he couldn't really see it in, until it was pointed out in on the internet and on some of the discussion shows after the fact. But if you look on the, on the, on the uh, mall cop outfit, the, the patch, has in red lettering a latin phrase it means we will rise again which was the governor's catch catchphrase during the woodbury episodes
0: they're in the south as that was a lot of catchphrases but no
1: specifically the the governor invoked that phrase um so yeah the foreshadowing is is rick playing playing the system or is he going to become the system
0: yeah, and that's true and I think the becoming the system is something that we're seeing in the most recent issues of the comic. I'm just wondering if we're getting there early. And if we are getting there early, does that point to yeah, Rick could get killed?
1: It's possible. I mean, right now the the episodes are playing out very similar to how they did in the comic book. Um and cuz he does he does make the same comment at the end of I forget what issue it is. Um, in the Alexandria episode, where when they're gathered on the porch and like, are we going to do this? You know, we're going to stay. And Rick's like, "Yeah, we'll stay. And if it sucks, we'll, we're just going to take it from them." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he says that in the comic book. Yeah, I, I think I remember that. So that that follows. Um, but <laughs> I am I f- going to have to go back. What what this really made me want want to do is go back and reread the trades from around this point to see how things play out because he does. Eventually, take control of the community. I forget what happens to Deanna or her analog in the book.
0: Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. After the show, I'll dig those out. That's it's a problem with doing these live to tape just before we put it on the internet. Yeah, we didn't
1: have time to go and look. So, all right, let's back, backing it up. <laughs> okay, backing it up. Uh, the. It's interesting that there are these continuing herds of walkers that they like they encounter on route whatever twenty four or whatever alternate route they were taking. Yeah, I
0: forget the number, but doesn't matter.
1: But it, I think they do this in the book. The idea of just like herds of walkers that show up from time to time.
0: Oh yeah, the herds that move into swarms that are yeah. hundreds of miles long. Yeah. So yeah, this is not unheard of in the comic.
1: Yeah. So I wonder if that's going to start to become a thing.
0: And I'm sure it will, because as much as they talk about Alexandria being, oh, nothing's getting through this, well, a hundred thousand mindless <laughs> bodies walking into something will knock anything over.
1: Yeah. And and in the comics, there is a, a point where Alexandria's walls are breached by walkers.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to find those books. I got to really refresh my memory on those. They're all in the other room. We yeah. can do it anytime we
1: want. Um and that's where Andrea becomes particularly helpful because she she has the sniper post and they they've already started to cinematically uh cinematographically, is that a word? Well we'll go
0: with cinematically. Um it, it call attention
1: st- to that because there's a church with a particular perch point that they keep showing. Right. And so that's going to have to be significant.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll probably get to that point.
1: Yeah. Uh I, should we move on to the Alexandria episode at this point? Yeah. Okay. So we meet this Deanna Monroe, who is a congressperson, and and she does an excellent job of, of shoveling a lot of bullshit, well, possibly. That,
0: <laughs> and that was a smart choice to me, because you start with congressperson, yeah, which is uh, an entity that has a 8 or 10 percent approval rating right out of the gate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then
0: have her say, oh, if I'd lost my seat, I was going to be a professional poker player. So, okay, you're just screaming professional liar Yeah. no matter what you do. <laughs> so it's established as reasonable as you seem, no sane person would utterly believe you. Right. In a best case scenario, you're not as smart as you think you are, but you le- believe your own bullshit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh- it's one of those things you, you get torn in terms of did you get to the position that you're in because of some sort of like you were the ranking politician that was left and it's some weird Battlestar Galactica like thing. That's how the secretary of education got to be president. Uh Or did you snake oil and smarm your way into the good graces of the, the larger community and your son is is your little Rotsy bulldog. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, at the very least, it was smart writing to put down enough. Those are good red flags, dog whistles to tell almost anybody, all right, maybe you shouldn't trust this person. Yeah. So that was, that was smart writing.
1: The, I, I, when, we, when we talked about this right after we watched it, I, I think you're, you're feeling that the videotapes that they were taking under the, the auspices of transparency – Right. Um, are really her opportunity to review them and look for tells as a poker player might. I mean, that was my take on it, because,
0: I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to think of anybody in government who says transparency and means it yeah. ever. Yeah. Not in my fucking lifetime, so.
1: Yeah, so are they are they going to keep these videotapes for leverage for some purpose later on? <laughs> I doubt that's the
0: case. I mean, what you, what the fuck are you gonna do with them? Release him to the press? Get him on the internet? No,
1: but it's just it's just a weird thing. There's it's just weird.
0: It's weird, but it's one of those it's one of those things. It could easily be a plot device. They could easily oh I use this to it. It could also have been as simple as this is a cinematic device, and here's a bullshit. Oh, transparency is the reason we do it. So we can flash backward and forward from the tape to modern. Yeah. Um, so it, it could have just been a cinematography, you know, storytelling device.
1: Now, if it if it is that the congresswoman is looking to to review these at a later date and get a, a better sense of the psyches and the, the tells and the ways in to to manipulate these characters, she has her work cut out. For her with Carol. <laughs> well, yeah. It's... Now I'm kind of hoping for a bitch slap fight between the two of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that was also smart writing and characterization. The minute I, the minute they showed her when they, as with every community, oh, you got to turn in your guns, and yeah, it, it's been said before, but I can't believe anybody would say turn over your guns and expect anybody to actually do it. Yeah. By this point in the apocalypse, but that's what they say so okay that's that's what happens but whenever she oh she's clumsy with him and doesn't seem to know how to it's like okay she's up to some shit
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah and then yeah her her taped thing and to me the interesting tell on that which would show she doesn't have a tell when she name checks ed yeah her abusive ex-husband <laughs> but no that's that's a good reminder that no, she's used to hiding what she thinks and feels on a day-to-day basis under constant supervision from what amounts to an enemy. Yeah. And the guy will smack the shit out of you. So, yeah, nobody's going to get around her. Nobody's going to get one over on her, so... Right.
1: I miss that man every day. <laughs>
0: get a better rifle.
1: <laughs> she turned hers in. Um, So, yeah, when she... When she manages to convince the congresswoman that she's just sweetness and light, and it put me in a position where I can bake cookies and do junior league shit. Uh, and then her conversation with Daryl later was just like, "Get your, get it together. We need to pass for this community, you know, regardless of what our feelings are." She she's trying to to get Daryl to understand that there there are ways that you can still be you, but not not during like work hours.
0: Yeah, she's Matahariing the living shit out of this community.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, which is, which is cool from a character standpoint. It's also interesting from the thematic standpoint. Can these people survive? Hope. Yeah, have they gone too far? Yeah, that's that's ultimately what's interesting about all this. You know, the the plot stuff. Yeah, we know full well something's going to go wrong, and these people are, if not take over, going to have to get out.
1: Well, because there's there's enough evidence there that it would seem that Utopia has a darker underside. You know, we've we've got the concerning character of um, Deanna's son. We've got at the end of the previous episode, Rick went out of his way to hide a gun in case he needed it later. He goes back to look for it in this episode. It's gone. Who took the gun? <laughs> yeah, but see,
0: I'm I'm hoping that's not the case because we've seen that shit. Yeah. You know, we, we saw it with the governor. Uh, we saw it with Terminus. You know, the community where something is rotten, we've seen over and over again. I don't want to see it again. I would like to believe that what we're being shown in, yep, this is a congressperson, uh, and we're we're giving you every indication that they're full of shit. Uh, and, yep, here's the douchebag potentially vi- I I want to believe we're being shown enough so that as viewers... We're being put into Rick and Company's mindset of, can we trust them? When the reality is, what I'd like to believe the reality is, is, nope, these people got lucky in a particular place and set this thing up. They really are good people. They're in over their heads. Yeah. The zombies are going to come and they're not going to be equipped for it. But what we're being presented makes us feel like what it's what it's like to be Rick. Can you trust anybody? Right. You know, and do you think Carol's right to be lying to these people? Do you think Rick's right to be hiding guns and prepared to take them out?
1: Given what he's gone through, yes. Given what she's gone through, yes. Um, the there there is no accounting for how stress and trauma can can cause a person to react to the world around them. And rightly or wrongly, their perception is their reality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But what what I'm getting at is over four and a half seasons, we've seen that, okay, can we trust them? Shit, we can't. Yeah. So what I'm really hoping for here is, no, these people absolutely can be trusted. The writers and Scott Gimble are smart enough, I'm hoping, to say, here's... All the indications so that you can get into their mindset of, we really can't trust them. And can you as a viewer and these characters, can they deal with hope? How do you deal with that? Yeah. When everything's been taken from you and you've been sunk to the level of you're digging in the dirt for fucking worms.
1: Oh, a- absolutely. So that's part of why I want to revisit what happened in the comic book to see going forward, how closely they choose to or not choose to adhere to it because they're, they're planting some seeds from some other things. I remember this woman, Jesse, who cut Rick's hair, uh, has a creepy seeming husband who was pleasant in a, a slightly threatening way to Rick <laughs> when yeah. he was out, um, taking a walk in the evening. And in the comic book, one of the first things he does as, as the police officer for this community is, is to bust a uh a wife abuser. Yeah. Um So and that seems where they're setting that up for.
0: It could be, but it's also yeah, yeah, he seems creepy. He didn't say anything untoward. No, he didn't. It was just the way he, yeah, said, he said it. <laughs> well, it yeah, and the way he said it certainly has an effect, but could be taken the wrong way. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for out of this. What I'm what I'm hoping for is, nope, this is someplace you could thrive. Are you going to be able to, or are you completely unable at this point to be civilized, to be a person? Are you living or surviving?
1: Yeah, and, and they set up some seeds for some, some other things that may play out um, to not the community's advantage. Rick goes out of his way to say perhaps by way of warning to Deanna. you know you got to be careful with people who have spent a lot of time on the outside they're going to be playing you for angles you really shouldn't let anybody in this community if you want to protect it yeah and then she tries to in her politician's way twist it in terms of you know oh so you're already thinking of yourself as part of our community now no lady I'm fucking warning you <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah no that that's absolutely a, a way that you probably she probably should have taken it
1: yeah um and then you know she makes the point of you know some people haven't worked out. I had to exile three people, which is kind of like killing them um no, because they made a point in the hallucinations that Tyrese was seeing three episodes back that who was it Martin who was the,
0: the I forget the guy's name,
1: but he made the point of saying that you, you should have killed me if you had it if you'd killed me, then I couldn't have t- taken the governor to show him where you were, yeah, um so again. It, if you're serious <laughs> and somebody is a threat to your community, Rick's stance, which has been to put them down like a dog. <laughs>
0: yeah. But at least this season.
1: Yeah. Uh, is, is the more correct way to go. If you are just seriously concerned about preserving yourself rather than salvaging some dream of your humanity, <laughs> because you think this somehow makes you the better person because they have a fighting chance. Now, it's possible that the reason that that gun is missing from where Rick hit it is because one of those exiled individuals came across it, and now they've got a gun. <laughs> True.
0: And and I'm not sure how how that would play out, but at the same time, it it gets back to the theme of...
1: Or, or that girl, that creepy little girl that doesn't seem to like Carl very much that they found three weeks ago, you know, who who did a runner over the wall and then... Carl couldn't find her in the woods because he can't stay in the house either anymore. Yeah, um, <laughs>
0: yeah we're back to that shit. <laughs> we're back we? to
1: that shit. Um, you know, prior to the the dad and son zombie bashing bonding moment, you know, who knows? Maybe she's got the gun now because you want you know some emotionally unstable teenage girl running around with a gun. <laughs> yeah, all of which is possible,
0: and I'm hoping they're not the case. Yeah, it's a far more interesting thing to me if. Even if it goes wrong, even if the swarm of zombies, the horde comes in and knocks the walls down, it's far more interesting to me to have these characters be on their guard and ready to snap when they don't have to. Right. And either come to terms with it afterwards that that behavior contributed to the loss of this community Mm -hmm. or actively was the reason for it.
1: Yeah. They're... They're... Drawing parallels to the idea of um, a war veteran coming home and having to reintegrate themselves in society. Yep. You know, the, to go out of their way and say that um, Deanna's son was ROTC. Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay, you, you know intellectually about being a soldier. You haven't actually been a soldier. <laughs> no, no no, disrespect to, to various ROTC programs in the country.
0: <laughs> yeah, I knew a few ROTCs. You can be disrespectful on an individual basis. <laughs>
1: Um, you know, so, so when Glenn steps to him at the end, it's, it's with the, the understanding of what it has been like to be a soldier out in the war and not, you know, play acting at, (laughs) at what it might be like to, to be at war.
0: Well, and, and that's not something I'd really considered the, the idea of bringing a post-war post-traumatic stress storyline into this apocalypse where it's everything is reversed as opposed to being in a small war zone and returning to the world Everything's a war zone but in this area it doesn't have to be but six of one half a dozen the other examining that that's also interesting to me
1: yeah and i my gut is that they're probably more likely to go that story route to explore than they are to have hopefully Knockwood, yet another corrupt society that Rick has to fix or blow up. (laughs) Yeah, look,
0: these these writers are smart enough. If they decide to go in the, oh yeah, these guys are just another pack of scumbags, after a certain point, (laughs) after a certain point, you have to say, okay, how stupid are you guys? This really needs to be a show about you on the road now because stop going to communities, they suck. (laughs) Quit being stupid, you morons. But, well, and,
1: but that's also the place that, that Glenn and Rick were in at the beginning of, of, of these four episodes. Yeah. You know, Glenn's like, you know, where I am right now, were I back at Terminus, I would not have opened the train car. <laughs> like, yeah. That wouldn't be me now. And Michonne has to be the one to be the voice of reason and and say no you you got to give community another shot it worked out well for me look how i was when i came to you and
0: that that's true if they go the route of yep just another corrupt pack of scumbags i'll be disappointed they're smart enough in plotting yes carol as a Mata Hari hiding her skills and th- th- there's already enough groundwork that the decimation should they turn out to be scumbags will be satisfying on a surface level and fun to watch the same way watching Terminus come and go in a single episode was earlier in the season. Yeah. I think it's far more interesting to see them have to deal with, nope, this is actually okay. Yeah. And we have to come to terms with it and make a decision. Are we the problem? Or are we going to relax and become part of this other thing?
1: I think they're going to they're gonna try to relax and become a part of this other thing. And, and the storyline will be exploring their recovery from some kind of post-traumatic shock or stress disorder. I, I think that the threats are going to come externally. I think we're going to be dealing with the, the masses, the herds, the swarms of the zombies, the, the characters that may have been exiled. I really wonder where that girl goes when she hops the fence. Yeah. Yeah, you know, is she is she a plant from some other community?
0: Yeah, also a possibility. So but,
1: these are the, these are where my brain is going on this.
0: Yeah, and however they do the plot it will be satisfying in a certain way. I'm just I'm really hoping Yeah, I I want to see in a perfect world I want to see these guys realize like go full end of falling down. Like, <laughs> I'm the bad guy? What <laughs> I want to see how, how that, and yeah, certainly intertwine the PTSD into that because that's interesting. And it's literally something I just thought of while we were doing the show. Mm. It's part of why I like doing this show. We can get in some depth and it brings up things I hadn't thought of before.
1: Yeah. Now, of course, Chris Hardwick is saying that there's going to be a special guest in Talking Dead tonight. So that probably means somebody tonight's going to die. Wonder who that is. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And what time does that air? So we should wrap this shit up. Um, yeah,
1: in about the next ten ish minutes.
0: All right. Well, I suppose the Tivo'll get it, but
1: well, it'll give us some lead time to get through the commercials. <laughs>
0: yeah. But it, overall, I've enjoyed the first four episodes. It's like anything else with it. This season has been probably the best one. Yes. Of the we're on five, right? Yes. It's probably the best one of the five. It still falls to certain things are heavy handed, but there's enough good acting and good writing in here. I'll I'll cherry pick and say that was a great moment. And when I realize there's going to be another We Are the Walking Dead speech, I'll go take a leak and get another beer.
1: (laughs) And I'll start putting it to the tune of In a Big Country. Oh, Jesus. We are the walking dead. Dreams come true. Blah, blah, blah. Fair use. You just want to suck the joy <laughs> out of everything.
0: Just stop
1: it. Stop.
0: <laughs> How are we doing on time?
1: Oh, we've been at this for a bit. <laughs> Not wearing my glasses. Uh, one forty-nine. Okay.
0: <laughs> you, you want to talk a, a couple actual comic Let's books? Let's talk
1: about some actual comic books.
0: All right. Which Which one do you want to start with?
1: Let's start with... You know what? Let's start with Hawkeye. I'd like to give him some love.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm willing to give a certain amount
1: <laughs> well, you know, because we were talking earlier about how in the franchise in the in the m c u he's not really getting a lot of love, yeah, that's true, all right, so so where he is getting love is in his comic books because um David Aja on art and Matt Fraction on the story wrote a really brilliant just like first arc, yeah, with the character, and a lot of people were concerned when they left the the property because they had been doing such a good job. How do you follow that? Well,
0: <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get to that in a second because they haven't finished it.
1: They haven't finished it? They
0: have not finished it. Oh, um, no. Yes. There's... And yet
1: this says Hawkeye number one, all new, with a new creative team.
0: Uh, yes. Uh, but there is one more issue of the uh, not all new Hawkeye. <laughs> uh, it is Hawkeye 22. It is scheduled currently to drop on April 22nd. Ah. So that uh, seems odd. That series is still running while okay. this one is brand new. Okay. So but yeah, this is a uh, all-new Hawkeye number 1, uh written by Jeff Lemire, art by Ramon Perez.
1: Yes. And um I'll get to the story in a second. Shout out to the friggin' art on this that Ramon Perez did. Goddamn. Oh,
0: and, <laughs> in particular on the flashback sequences. This is
1: a beautifully rendered book with uh watercolor in the in the flashback scenes to Clint's childhood. Oh, yeah. And
0: and the layout just sort of meanders across, and you just no real panels, just sort of images that you follow along with as you follow the the thought bubbles and the half, not even really dialogue bubbles, but sort of. Yeah,
1: you know, I get the JH Williams love, but why didn't Neil Gaiman go to Ramon Perez? Looking at this, I mean, it would have come out more on time. It no, very have <laughs> been just as pretty. <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah, it's it's got a whole dreamy sense to it that. Makes the idea that it's it's just memories bubbling through make makes that really hit home, and it contrasts well with the modern shit, yeah, which is you know just simple line stuff and is really kind of reminiscent of Aja's art, right?
1: Yeah, okay, on... so I'm not crazy. No, you're okay. not. Okay,
0: <laughs> so yeah, it's this is a really good looking book.
1: Yeah. Now the story itself, <laughs> Lemire, I, I like. David Lemire as a writer. I've I've enjoyed his work on like Sweet Tooth. Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire, I'm sorry. I mean, just botched the (laughs) guy's name. I love his work. I can't remember his name. But, you know, I drink. That's
0: (laughs) all right. I'm not even going to go for a sound effect for that. Thanks. Shit happens. It's been a long show. It has,
1: it has. Um, Mr. Lemire. (laughs) Uh, This story, thematically you discover by the end of it centers around the idea of childhood's gone horribly wrong. Yeah. In the flashback to the Barton boys' uh, life in foster homes with abusive foster parent. Um, and one imagines going into the circus because, yeah. you
0: know, I, I doubt that the carny folk who roll into a town and con every dime that they can get, and then roll out under cover of darkness. I don't think they got an AP English program going.
1: No, no, and and we know things don't turn out well for Barney because doesn't he turn to a life of crime? Uh, yes. Yeah. So and and we see the the references to uh, Clint's early onset deafness. <laughs> um which they reference again it, it, it's solved by Stark gives him some kind of like uber hearing aids i guess now yeah whatever it takes to get past it but it, this this story where he's working with Kate and and she's trying to get their partnership on a more e- even footing <laughs> yes and she takes her own liberties and does her own thing and doesn't necessarily listen to him i i liked I liked the interplay between the two characters in, in the face of overwhelming odds from from just tons of Hydragoons.
0: Well, yeah, and, and the dynamic between them feels similar to what Fraction and Aja did.
1: In yeah, that, totally. it follows. Yeah,
0: Clint acts and seems to feel like, you know, oh no, I, I'm I'm the mentor and you need my assistance. And she feels almost exactly the same way about him. Yep. Um, and, in fact, she often knows better than Clint does. So, yeah, it's really character-wise what we came to expect from from the original Hawkeye.
1: Yeah. Um, and it culminates in this reveal at the end of the book where you know, there's this project communion that Maria Hill has sent them in to
0: figure infiltrate. out,
1: infiltrate, because the concern is that it's a giant weapons cache of some sort. Right. And it may be, but it's not the kind of weapons they thought.
0: <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not.
1: There there are these children that are hooked up to some sort of machine in a tank. <laughs> <laughs> it looks very Akira, frankly. <laughs> you
0: know? Akira, I sort of thought, uh, oh, Jesus, I'm drawing a blank. Philip K. Dick, uh, Minority Report. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we have no idea what it is yet. It's some kind of... Either way for for the kids in the tank it's uh, it's not all Atari and uh sneaked beers.
1: It's not even a life with the carnies. Now, it's
0: well, <laughs>
1: as far as we know.
0: Let's be fair. <laughs> there's carnies and there's
1: carnies. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> well, um, things don't look good. I can see this poor girl's spine. <laughs> They're not right. feeding them. All right, well that that's not great. No. But
0: the the biggest problem I have with this book is I To save my fucking soul, I don't know why this is out right now. I don't know if it's because Fraction and Aja were late or these were early or something to do with Secret Wars or whatever, but Marvel set themselves up in a way they didn't have to to have this come out while it is pretty universally thought that Fractions Hawkeye was groundbreaking and a modern classic, and did really interesting things with just comic storytelling, shifting point of view mm. between characters to the fucking dog. For I God's know, sake. pizza dog. Yeah, so to have that run not finished, it makes you wonder. And to move to this, you're you're going to draw comparisons that you don't have to. Yeah, people sort of understand. Okay, these guys are done. Somebody has to take the book over and hopefully you get good creators and he can take it on their own merits. I think it worked well doing it that way with Moon Knight. Absolutely. Because Warren Ellis's Moon Knight was singular and took the character in a completely different direction and then he was done and Brian Wood took over and not the same, became longer continuing stories, but still worked reasonably well. You know, with the the groundwork that was done for this to come out with still an issue, they just they're setting themselves up for a comparison that almost nobody can win.
1: When does Hawkeye twenty two come out? Uh, right now, it's
0: scheduled for uh, end of April.
1: End of April, because Hawkeye all all new Hawkeye number two, according to this, is going to drop on April first. So there's going to be two issues of this out in the world before twenty two comes out.
0: That's the way it looks right now, yeah. unless unless the solicit info that I found earlier is wrong. Yeah, April 22nd is the last one. <laughs> and the thing is, this is a good book. It's yeah, it's really good looking. Uh, certainly the exploration of Barney and Clint's childhood is something that works pretty well with what Fraction and, and Aja did in their Hawkeye, mm-hmm. so there's a certain consistency to it. But having the Hawkeyes in massive battles in Hydra. The, the, the whole cool thing about <laughs> fractions Hawkeye was that this is just Hawkeye at home and certainly yeah. he's in this jam and there's some action to it, but it wasn't superhero action. Right. And right. Ultimately, this is a superhero book. Hawkeye. Yeah. You're not going to have a Hawkeye book that runs you know, like Amazing Spider-Man or Batman, where you don't see him in costume. Ultimately, it's a superhero story. Well,
1: Fraction's book was what happens in the spaces in between Avengers time. Yeah. Because sometimes a superhero is off-duty, <laughs> and so what, what does that life look like?
0: Yeah, and, and certainly you can't continue that forever. Yeah. But tonally, it it is different it's a comparison between the two, and just particularly based on the timing, there's no way that this is going to win. Just with additional yeah. fraction Hawkeye out there.
1: Yeah.
0: You gotta hold this. <laughs> Unless yeah. Secret Wars makes it impossible to hold it,
1: Which is probably the case. That must be the case.
0: Yeah. Drop it in May. Give everyone a chance to finish up. Because, yeah, this is a five-issue story. I don't know if this creative team is scheduled to last beyond the five issues. But Mm. just hold it until it's done. Yeah. Because it it, it can't win the comparison. And it's not because it's a bad book. It's not.
1: It's an excellent book so far.
0: But you're like the the dude writing Batman after year one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah it's Jim Starlin did fine Batman stories. They weren't fucking Frank Miller. No. So it just it's it's something that didn't have to happen. No, it's 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 a pretty good book, but they're starting on a back foot where they don't have to.
1: Okay. So I think we've we've covered that fairly uh
0: Yeah, don't get me don't get me wrong, it's a good book. It's just it's it's disappointing to me in that uh, you should have finished the other thing up first,
1: yeah, but you know it's i I don't know it's out it's out in the world, I pick it up,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's on its own merits, it's a good book, and the art is spectacular if for no other reason, pick it up for that, but yeah it's it's not bad it's just, it's one of those it's good, but it's up against this other thing that is so far beyond good,
1: I think I- I think the best way to to take it at this point in time is just they're two separate entities and instead of turning it into a comparative piece, just take each of them on their own merits.
0: Which is what I should be doing. I'm only a person. I can't always do it.
1: You kind of see the same thing happening um, in various internet spaces about um, Peggy Carter versus Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, Like one ended, the other one began, but there's a, there seems to be this compulsion on in, in spaces to to compare the two when just they're two different things <laughs> one's a period piece that that is pre-shield and the other one is is shield post winter uh post uh, avengers <laughs> so you just kind of have to roll with it and and I think just enjoy them both for what they are
0: yeah it's a, clearly it's difficult for me to do this is this is a good book it's not on the same level as fractions, Hawkeye, and just based on the timing, it, I just I found it impossible to 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 make the break because it's not time to make the break. Yeah, they're not done yet. <laughs> I,
1: I don't disagree, but you know, I, I think it would be unfair to the book to to not give it its due just because the other one's still running. That which is. Which is the better reaction to have.
0: Look, I'm a petty man who's on his third beer. (laughs) What the fuck do you want from me? And consider
1: prior to to them dumping a ton of molten adamantium on Wolverine, how many different Wolverine titles were there running concurrently?
0: No, you're right. And some I enjoyed and some I couldn't get through. You've got a point. You've you've convinced me. I don't know what... (laughs) You've convinced me, but it's an emotional reaction and it may not make a difference.
1: That's okay. It's okay to be emotional. It's all right.
0: Go to hell. <laughs> All right. We are, I can see we're over two hours, so let's do this quickly. Real
1: quickly. Speaking of, yeah. of other vehicles in which one can find Hawkeye, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy team up.
0: Yes. <laughs> Wr- written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, art by Art Adams. Yeah. Which was cool. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, I've always, it's really easy to make fun of 90s style art. It's not only easy, it's fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, I
1: didn't see any pouches in here. Well
0: see the (laughs) see the thing is, uh Liefeld sort of got his style based on Todd McFarlane. Oh no, wait, Hawkeye has pouches. Yeah, well, he's always gonna have pouches, (laughs) but uh who also McFarlane got his style from Art Adams. You know, the the apocryphal story is that McFarlane went to a comic convention with Art Adams uh, Adams sold out McFarland didn't so McFarlane said I'm going to start drawing like that so Adams was really sort of the pioneer of the style of art that began in the late 80s and went through into the 90s before it ultimately became almost self-parody and self-destructed
1: I suppose I can kind of see that except that Art Adams knows how to draw feet so well, like, take the easy shot
0: yeah okay <laughs> but, but <laughs> since he was the, the first guy to draw on that I've always liked it um, yeah, he uses too many fine detail lines. If, you know, if every line you add to a character adds five years, his Hawkeye is about 10,000 fucking years old. <laughs> but, you know, as a guy who was really into comics in the 80s, is this style at the time was just a real departure. Yeah, Peter Quill's
1: kind of looking like Harrison Ford here. Yeah. Like now, like crashing a plane.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, but th- there's a certain amount of nostalgia to to seeing Arthur Adams on a, a book again.
1: And part of it is also that
0: there was no real overexposure it seemed like Adams never really did too many issues in a row of a continuing book. He wasn't all over the place where some of these guys were. So it's, there's, it still has a freshness to it to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, although in certain ways, this is a weird book with weird timing, (laughs) you know, they name check Venom and Captain Marvel on the guardians roster on the first page,
1: but you don't see him.
0: But yeah, really this is, this is guardians of the galaxy straight from the movie. Yep. Um, And because of that, it it seems sort of like, oh, this is a way for Marvel to have a book on the stands in time for Age of Ultron, you know, take last year's big movie heroes and pair them up with this year's and, you know, really pop a corporate synergy boner. But, (laughs) But the Avengers in this are the ones from Hickman's run. Right. The only recognizable Avengers, if you've seen the movies, are Hawkeye and Black Widow. I mean, even Captain America, Sam Wilson, and Thor's the female Thor. Right. So if... If the idea behind this is to bring movie fans to the comics, it's it's not gonna work. I mean, ask a random stranger what a Shang Chi is and they'll <laughs> probably tell you it's sexually transmitted disease.
1: But you know what? You're you're also seeing in, inserted in here at least a couple of characters who are gonna play out in the Netflix shows. You got like your Jessica Drew here. Um who else am I seeing that might show up? Um Shang Chi. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it could work on that basis, but taking a step back from whatever somebody might be trying to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, ultimately this is a Bendis book with a lot of characters, which means you got a lot of chances for Bendis banter. Yes, which doesn't work for everybody. No, you no, know, a bunch of guys standing in a circle, you know, riffing on each other is not everyone's cup of tea. But there's a lot of action in this book. The banter is there, but it's all wrapped in actions starting with the space battle into the crash into the ground battle with the Chitari. There's really not too many panels of people just standing around shooting the shit. So it's kind of the best of both of Bendis's worlds where you've got the action going, but also the, the cool back and forth, which I really like.
1: Yeah. And, and Bendis found a couple of opportunities to insert, um, internet. I, I hesitate to call them memes, but like you get dressed, uh, you get spider woman, blasting at the chitari and she goes this escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah.
0: It, he's always peppered his dialogue with pop culture references, yeah. so um and the cool thing is since Bendis has been writing Guardians of the Galaxy since the title first came out after they announced the movie and he did Avengers for He's got a lot of these characters really down. Oh, absolutely. You know, his, his cocky, friendly, hey, I know everybody Hawkeye. That was fun to read. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Spider-Woman. And Spider-Woman, but having Rocket point out your costume is nothing but a bunch of arrows that point to your crotch. <laughs>
1: That's it. I found my line. I'm out. <laughs>
0: yeah. And considering it's this week that Spider-Woman in her own title is changing yeah. her costume, I'm wondering how long Bendis has had. Somebody's got to say this eventually, just sort of in the background. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, art-wise, if you're not a fan of late 80s, early 90s
1: art. And, um, and this is very, very late 80s, early 90s. I mean, there's the, the character, the, the female characters are all very pretty to look at and find excuses to, like, point their boobs in particular directions and poke their butts out needlessly. Um, yeah, but
0: of that style of art, this guy's really the progenitor of it. Yeah. So. But it's pretty. It's yeah. It's pretty. And uh, yeah, it's just really good dialogue, uh, a good handle on the characters that get most of the, the screen and dialogue time. So yeah, it's, it, it was a fun book. Yes. If the intention was, yeah, oh, I like Guardians of the Galaxy and I liked Avengers Age of Ultron. Let me go find a comic book. They'll be opening. Yes. <laughs> you know, what's a Hyperion and why does he look like Superman? Is and-
1: so a Hyperion? No, it's Sentry.
0: No, Sent- Sentry's been dead for a while. It's Hyperion. Is it really?
1: Yeah. Oh. See, I don't even know who I'm looking at, and I read comics.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> the Hickman Avengers has not hooked you in. It's no. only barely hooked me in, so. All right, so we are way over. We, gotta we wrap, are way over. We got to wrap this thing up, so. All right. Don't know where you found this episode, but you can always find us at our home website, CrisisOnInfiniteMidLives.com. We are on Facebook. You can find a link to our Facebook page through our home site. We are on Tumblr, .tumblr crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter. I forget the handle all the time. At Infinite Midlife. Yes, that would be it. That's Uh, us. We uh, are on iTunes. If you happen to find the show there, do us a favor, shoot us a review, give us a rating. One way or the other, yeah, get in touch with us. We like hearing from from listeners. We do. It's fun. We do. Uh, We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And that is it. Based on the timing, that is well over it. Episode 58 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlive show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Yeah, we can't do shows these long anymore. I really got to take a leak. All right. What are you telling me to do it here?
1: In a big country.
0: Oh, Jesus. <laughs>